0: Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You too can be part of Armchair
1: Politics. Find us on Facebook... We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now.
3: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars. On the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, Tom. And joining us this week for our uh, roundtable in, uh, in the third chair, if you will, author and convention of states legislative liaison, Wes Whitaker. Good morning, Wes. <laughs> Good morning, Wes. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning, Good Wes. morning fellas. Good morning, well, as you know, I always start out with a few quotes, and the first one is uh, a, a finish the quote where I ask you how would you finish this quote, and it uh, goes like this, democracy is when, what, how would you finish that quote? Hmm.
4: When
5: the people have the voices heard? I'm not sure if I've heard that
3: before or not. Boy, it's darn close. Um Demo- democracy is
4: when there's only one piece of pizza left.
3: <laughs> no, I, I thought that had something to do with Lutherans. I, I don't know. Um, no, the, uh, the original quote, and, and uh, you'll be surprised at, at who said it, democracy is when the indigent and not the men of property are the rulers.
4: Oh,
1: oh. <laughs> that
3: is profound. Well, that and, Will Rogers. No, it's farther back than that. It was Aristotle.
5: Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was further back than that. Yes. <laughs> hmm.
3: But I think my I, I I think one of my favorite quotes this week had to be this one. I do not want to be a winner by cheating.
5: Oh, that was the guy from Arizona yesterday.
3: Yeah, Arizona's House Speaker Rusty Bowers.
5: Right. He right.
3: delivered uh, emotional testimony yesterday about his resolve in the face of enormous pressure to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election, vaulting the conservative Republican into the spotlight and the center of the national reckoning over the events of January 6th, 2021. What did you think of Bowers' testimony?
5: I thought it was pretty powerful, what I saw, but, you know, I mean, uh, I'm thinking maybe the most significant thing of all these hearings, not just the Bowers' one and not just yesterday, is that it's been mainly Republicans who've been doing the talking. I think it's really up to Republicans to uh, to turn this around. Uh, There's an awful lot of... Very strange things happening. And I think if there's,
3: I, I I guess I would just say this about that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a phrase. There's a phrase that hasn't been around for a while. Yeah. Um, is if there's house cleaning to be done, I, I think it's in the Republicans' house.
5: Yeah. No. I and you know I'd follow well, with with Richard Nixon. It was it was the Republicans who really leaned on Nixon to resign when when Bush came to shove. And I think it'll be somewhat
3: the same here. Now, what made you think of Nixon? The fiftieth year anniversary. <laughs> well, there was that, but also uh, let me say this about that. <laughs> that was one that Nixon said a lot. Yeah. Yes. That was that you was know, to break it up, so he didn't always say, "Let me make one thing perfectly clear."
5: Right, right. That was his classic you know,
3: phrase. this also
1: clears up a myth that. We have shared on this show and people around the nation that it was Trump who was leading the Republican Party. Not so. There's nothing bigger than an establishment. The Republican Party is alive and well. And it's an entity all by itself, just like the Democratic Party. But they've
3: been lacking leadership for a Uh, while.
5: It's, it's been a it's been a Trump party to to a great degree. Again, you're right, Henry. I mean, there are, those voices are coming out of the woodwork gradually, but it's
1: been but but it's been you a Trump party, use, in large part. But guys, you just don't you don't hustle into a situation that you can't make a case about. You have to study the the case, and you have to observe uh, by evidence what is going on around you. You just can't politically make a statement. <clears throat> and uh, have that people believe that. And I believe that people believe that the Republican Party has
3: always been very devout.
4: I think the effect. Republican Party is fractured right now.
3: Well, they, at, at the very least, and, and Henry, I, I would hope that you would agree or go along with this, that um, that a lot of the people who could have been leaders in the republican party stood down and and kind of let trump take it over and and now it's it's kind of like they're it's they're they're trying to get it back and what i find interesting was it was it you henry a moment ago who said uh, you can't hurry into these things and I would argue, you know, with elections coming, there's there's always a little bit of a timeline. And if your house is on fire, you better hurry up and put it out.
5: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, uh, <coughs> I You know, I, 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 a couple of years ago, I think I argued, and I think I was wrong here, but I thought you'd see the Republican Party split. You'd see a Trump Party and a Republican Party into 2024, one of them being a third party of some sort. I'm not sure that's going to happen now, but... Uh, as I said, I think there's really a split in the party, and and it may be healed as time goes by. I almost wonder whether or not some of these hearings are going to be kind of like what I call a Joe McCarthy moment, where all of a sudden people are going to take a second look at at Trump and see him in a very different light, uh, as they did with Joe McCarthy in those, in those hearings back in the 1950s. Uh, and, and he began to fade very quickly once he was... Uh, it kind of called called the task in the in, in those those televised hearings of that era.
4: I think you're right on. I think you're right on the nose with that statement, Paul.
5: I mean, some some of the stuff coming out here is just astonishing. I mean, it's it's the kind of stuff out of a Baldacci or a Patterson novel to to make up some of these things that are going on about the fake electors and everything else. It's uh, like Larry Moe and Curley overturning an elections. I mean,
1: it, 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 it was uh, it was Liz Cheney that said. Those are something to this effect. Yeah. That people who um, say nothing will be left with egg on their face.
3: Well, yeah. Disgrace. The, the, the something quote, like that. The, the quote that was uh, essentially she said, Trump will be gone, but your yes. shame will not. Yeah. Yeah, what a powerful statement! It, it By really the way, anybody
5: see Liz Cheney is getting the JFK a Profile Encourage Award this year? I saw that on Facebook within the last week or so. That,
3: uh, no, I didn't. I didn't, didn't see that. I were, frankly, yeah. One thing that um, that that did come up a little bit yesterday when I was preparing for today. Um, you know, I'm sort of scanning. You know, different news sites that I go to. And um, I, I wanted to share that Bowers quote from yesterday, but I ended up reading about him for a little while. <laughs> he's kind of an interesting guy, so I just I, I will just say, look into him a little bit. He's hmm. he's the Republican we talk about that we don't see anymore.
5: That, that was the image I got from what was said very briefly on television. I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to read about him, but he sounded like a very traditional, conservative, family values Republican was the image that was portrayed that I saw.
3: But it wasn't something that was just laid out for the committee and the spotlight and the TV cameras. No. Hmm. You know, the, he's he's got a track record of... Saying and doing some of the things that that he's credited with saying and doing now as a result of these uh, or, or being uncovered by these hearings. Um, here is another quote, and it's uh, somewhat along the, the it's not along the same lines but but it is related to the uh, hearings, I believe um, the Trump campaign did take the lead, and we just were helping them in that role.
4: Hmm. Is that
5: uh, uh, Robney McDaniels?
3: Bing, bing, bing. I should be keeping score. (laughs) (laughs) Because Paul's nailing it this week. Um, (laughs) Former Michigan Party Chairwoman and current Republican National Committee Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel also testified on video yesterday about the effort to seat electors, saying Trump called her about it. The testimony came as members of the Democrat-led U.S. House Committee explored evidence of how Trump, who lost the 2020 election to President Joe Biden and his allies, put pressure on officials in several key states, including Michigan, to overturn the outcome despite having no evidence of the widespread Uh, widespread voter fraud they claimed had occurred. There was also an effort to try to seat fake sets of Republican electors despite the fact that in all of the relevant states, all of the electors were won by Biden by right of his winning the popular vote in those states. How close does uh, Ronna McDaniel sound here to, uh, to saying we were just following orders?
1: Mm. Oh, I, uh, uh, Rhonda McDaniel is a very independent person. She owns herself. Doesn't sound he like it here. She from her uncle, who was uh, the governor of Massachusetts. So she, she's a very independent woman.
3: But she didn't sound like that here in her testimony. She says, Trump was in charge, and we just tried to help out.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Trump was leading the narratives and and the testimonies and the conversations uh-huh. and stuff like that, moving moving us in what we hope to be a new direction and making America first.
0: Well, you know that a...
1: all sounds very good to most Americans, Democrats and Republicans. So. You know
5: I to say what's amazing is that I, I never recall any president after he's lost an election having such a hold on the party. I mean, after Lyndon Johnson was out or Jimmy Carter was out or H.W. Bush lost, they kind of became yeah. non-persons. Mm-hmm. But Trump is still, you know, the dominant figure in his party after the election. You,
3: you know what's what interesting about about the, tr- about, the about the people you just mentioned, Paul, one of the things that's interesting and stands out is, most, if not all of the people that you just listed were not popular with the party to begin with
5: that's probably true yeah yeah yeah
3: that's
5: uh and, yeah, and obama's
4: Obama has stayed in the news
5: but he even still, even he doesn't still. dominate the democratic party in quite the same way i mean he's, uh, he's and you know he's he's, he's, well, a, he's not as flamboyant.
4: Yeah, he's not true, as flamboyant true. out there, but but I would I would state that he definitely. I agree with you. Uh, oh yeah, Obama he's, he's definitely
3: uh, definitely on the phone and on the road, um, well, supporting. Or there's him. the joke
4: that he's operating the government from the basement of the White House. <laughs>
5: yeah. I, I was I was going to say I, I can never recall any candidate who two years after the election there, there were still yard signs and, and flags out for that candidate. I mean, there's, do you still see Trump flags all over the place. I can never recall hey, two years after the election seeing a lot of signs or flags. We, we've got to take
3: a break hey, in George a minute. Bush, whatever. Yeah. But, I, you know, I I put a sign up in uh, the window of my place that faces out to the road from the studio with the, the show's logo on it. <laughs> and somebody Good. from the park said that I needed to take it down because I was breaking the rules. Huh. And then, so I, you know, I took it down. I'm, you know, I'm a team player. And then I'm driving down the street, and I see somebody's got a big flagpole in their yard with this great big Trump sign on it. Yeah. And yeah. so as soon as I got back to my place, I, the sign went back up. <laughs> and and yeah. I can't wait for somebody to drop by and say something. Anyway, we got to take yeah. a short break, and we'll be back with more right Everybody's after this. Do
4: it a brand-new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
3: Hey, welcome back everybody. We continue uh, with today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, featuring our roundtable regulars Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Wes Whitaker. I want to give a little plug to uh, to Wes. Um, actually, a couple. He's going to be on the show coming up in the near future. We're going to set a date here uh Within the next day or so, um, to talk some more about the Convention of States. But he also joined us um, back when we when we had the studio and we got our hands on some royalty-free scripts from the Golden Age of Radio, and he did a couple of really fine performances. And this Friday, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm dropping all the interviews and all the politics and. Best-selling books and all that, and we're going to do uh, just kind of a tribute to old-time radio. It's going to be an old-time radio marathon, the entire mm. three hours, and
4: oh.
3: we'll have uh, you know the Bickersons and Five-Minute Mysteries, but we'll we'll also have uh, adaptations of Flash Gordon, Dragnet, uh, The Maltese Falcon, uh, and uh, Sherlock Holmes, The Musgrave Ritual. So. Um, if, if you haven't ever heard old time radio theater, be sure and tune in Friday. Well, it'll, it'll be nonstop. Wherever you tune in, we're going to, it's going to be,
5: uh,
3: a, uh, golden age of radio marathon on the Tom Sawyer program. Should be fun. Just, it's just something different. Anyway, and I, and I want to thank Wes again for participating in that Uh, some of the other cast include uh, Randy Zimmerman Dane Walling uh, Sean Cantwell Rhonda Groves Young Uh, it's 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 a lot of fun anyway you
4: know Tom Tom I was listening to the comedy I was listening to the comedy part of your show this morning yeah and uh, I don't know whether you've ever heard him or not or whether you would even consider him but Firesign Theater would be a good thing to put
3: on. Oh, I and I would love to. I have heard them. It's been a long time, I must admit, since I've heard them and I, I thanks um and I thank you for the reminder. I'll I'll look into that a little bit. Um in fact, it's it's funny you brought that up now because I've uh, been working from the same fairly small library for about 15 years and I've been trying to think where I could get some stuff that's safe cuz uh, you know, a lot of the comedy today is not very radio friendly, so I will definitely look into that. Yeah, that that piece, a friendly, line of, that, that wonderful one, was one of my
5: favorite pieces of George Carlin stuff. That was that was yeah. very good.
3: Well, and it if seemed you appropriate. I mean. You know, I've been trying to get uh, all of the GOP candidates on, and I fell short this this week and so i i did an encore with the uh the publisher of the the newly resurrected new york sun so i was kind of on that whole news thing so i thought carlin's 11 o'clock news was a nice companion yeah. <laughs> to the interview but um and and a nice lead into what we do here now just before we went to break i think henry was about to say something i, I had just told the story of being asked to remove my show logo from the window that faces out to the road, and and uh, and then being a little annoyed about being told to take it down when there's a, a a full-blown flagpole and a large flag, a Trump flag, just down the street from me, and I thought, you know, you know, I I would never, I would never dream. In a million years of going up, knocking on the door, and saying, "Hey, guy, the election's over. Please take down your Trump flag." You know, he wants yeah. to express himself, and I'm fine with that. But I do a radio show from my place, and how do I not get to put the logo in the window? That's right. You know, That's right. so yeah. So it's my my logo's back up, and it's up to stay. I think good, a, good. At least as long as I'm doing <clears> the show. Um. But, Henry, uh, I think you were about to say something, yeah. and we went to break. I
1: just wanted to say that ordinance, townships' ordinances drive that process. You're illegal if you have a final um, after the election, and those are driven by ordinances.
3: And so people I, and don't I pay agree. too
1: much attention <laughs> to them.
3: And, and, and so I'm I, fine with following I, those rules, but if, but if others do it, it's Yeah, <laughs> you I you shouldn't know. be
1: the only one. That's yeah, hard. I I see those all the time. They're in my area all the time. Uh, they're uh, over on Genesee Road. You can you can see that.
5: Uh, you mean, and you mean maybe with, the, 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 Trump, the Trump signs, Henry?
1: Yeah, the Trump signs. Yeah, yeah. As I
5: say, I, I cannot yeah. think of any other president, though, where the signs have been up. For, you know, Alaska, somebody simply forgot about them and let them lay there. But where no. they were intentionally put up years after the election was held uh, for, for, for either a winning or a losing candidate. Uh it's, you know, usually when the election's over, these signs disappear in the next couple of weeks and they're gone.
3: Well, I but remember we we, uh, we took the show down to Hell, Michigan, uh, <laughs> yeah. back in in 2016, or no, I guess it was 2020, and uh, and there were Trump signs all the way down there, and Henry okay. kept calling it God's country. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think I was the one who said
5: the road to Hell was lined with Trump signs.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> well let's but uh, you uh, wouldn't uh, call that necessarily guys country if the the road <laughs> hell, uh,
4: <laughs> I, I live yeah. in a condominium i live in a condominium project and i can't even put a for sale sign in my window oh if i want to sell my condo yeah
5: i, I know those rules are pretty strict in some of those condo areas
4: yeah
3: well but it's we've a, got trump
4: signs are up the road
3: oh, <laughs> I, i'm sure yeah. i'm sure it's, well, it's
4: kind of interesting because it's it's gone beyond politics. It's become kind of a cult of personality. Mm-hmm. Tom, Tom, you and I were talking about this yesterday. Yeah,
3: it's not it's there, not about politics. It's it's a culture war. Yeah, but there's I think
4: becoming cool. this movement. becoming this movement that very well could spin off into another political party: the America First movement.
3: Which and is what yeah, no, Paul has been saying the last three or four years. Yeah, I kept
4: yeah.
5: seeing it as a third party. In many ways, the values of it are not really traditional Republican values. Some of them are, but many of them are not. And it's kind of a whole separate movement. So, yeah, I could see it almost as a third party. I mean, Maybe vaguely like George Wallace was in the 60s and early 70s, or um, maybe also went a little Ross Perot in the early 90s, you know. Um, I see that's a possibility. Although, as I say, it looks like he's taken over the Republican Party, and I don't know that that the traditional Republicans are likely to split away and form a third party of any kind. But I, a few years ago, I thought that would happen.
3: You know, it's it's really funny the the Republicans were, you know, sort of taken over without a shot, and and I think the Republican Party hasn't had a lot of iconic pop figures. You know, I I don't think they knew how to deal with that. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, yeah.
4: Uh, well, look at our history, you know, Richard Nixon.
3: I, Reagan's the, last one, Reagan's the, last the closest Reagan. that you can yeah, come the, to. He's
4: the last big leader that the Republicans had was Reagan. I mean, it, other than that, you can't, you have to go back to probably Abraham Lincoln.
5: Well, there was Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, yeah, well, Teddy Roosevelt look at,
4: was not really a Republican, though. Well, well that's what was, was, was a progressive
5: party. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt was, well, was a Rooseveltian, was Roosevelt yeah. yeah.
1: If, if, if you if you look at oh, uh, the president in the fifties, uh, Eisenhower, very very unique in his role as a military man that made the uh, stood for law, existence of law, had colleges that denied um, blacks the right to uh, attend Arkansas and Alabama State and so on and so forth, wherever that happened. I thought that that was rather unique. It would, maybe it wasn't unique for everybody, but it, it
0: really
1: but don't you Of course, Eisenhower was kind of
5: Eisenhower was courted by both parties. The Democrats tried to get him yeah. to run in 48 briefly, and
4: mm-hmm.
3: he, he, he turned down. He but, was
4: very effective.
3: Yeah. What were you going to say, Wes?
4: I'm not sure. I, I think Eisenhower, a lot of it was his, the aura that he had left over from World War II. Yeah, yeah, the war hero. Yeah, yeah he really, uh... But the only thing he did do was the um, just um, interstate highway system so he, he did have some impact
3: yeah he did mean. and that was that was a tremendous impact in fact it um, it changed the economy people yeah. were able yeah. to travel farther to find work and you know it 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 had uh, um, positive attributes beyond the convenience of good routing and Places to land airplanes.
5: Well, you know, when, when historians make up their list of the you know the top ten presidents and all that, Eisenhower is frequently on that list, and, and mainly for that for that kind of an issue. But uh, you know, he often makes part the list. of it
3: was you know he had the same sort of popularity that Barbara Bush had. You know, he was sort of grandfatherly with his yeah, co- that's cardigan sweater and 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 just his. Easy, you know, manner. Um, just the whole I like Ike. You know that would never work for anybody else. <laughs> you know, true. <laughs> I mean, not just because nobody else is named Ike, but but just that 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 simple statement of support. Yeah, wouldn't have worked anywhere else. Anyway, we got to move on. Um, the uh, a oh before we do though I. I uh, Wes, I want to thank you. I, I got some new merch in, and Wes jumped right up and bought a shirt and a baseball cap. And Henry, you've got a book coming, and I I found those uh, those copies of the I found some copies of the first book, and that's the one you wanted. So I'll I'll be getting that to you shortly, probably in the mail. Thank okay. you. <laughs> okay, and I and and I wanted to make sure that I. That I told you that before I forget, and, and I will by the end of the show. A former state drinking water supervisor says he received an email from Flint's former water treatment plant operator eight days before the city changed its water source to the Flint River, but never responded to his cry for help. Stephen Bush, whose office at the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy oversaw monitoring at the plant, told a federal court jury on Thursday, June 16th, that he also never spoke to plant operator Michael Glasgow when he saw him the following day in Flint. Glasgow became known as a whistleblower during the water crisis, bypassing his superiors in Flint City Hall and sending an email to Bush and two other state water regulators warning that there was not adequate staffing to put the Flint water plant into full-time service for the first time in decades. Why don't elected officials and regulatory uh, agency personnel listen to frontline professional staff anymore. Is it just me that's... No, I've been
1: asking that question since we've been on this subject, sir. And while We'll run to Lansing and blame it on the governor.
3: I don't think it always happens. I I, I don't think it only happened with the water crisis. Pardon? I don't think it only happened with the water crisis. I think it happens about other things, too. But this is... This was a big one with a lot of attention on it. Um, and, and of all the times that they should have been listening to professionals when it deals with uh, chemistry and public health.
1: Yes.
5: Yeah, when you look back on There's this, it would have been so easy to avoid this water crisis. Yes. if just a couple of things had been done right early on. Yes,
1: yes. And we've been talking about that for uh, 10 years.
5: Right.
3: Yeah. We'd, we'd probably still be using Flint River water and arguing over Karen Handy. <laughs> yeah. With our,
4: with our three eyes and our four ears and our... Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, if we'd treated it at West, we wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have developed all four eyes.
1: Yeah.
5: Um.
3: But, but, guys... <laughs> The the
1: government, uh, the federal government, the EPA had it right when they created that agency over to oversee public health and safety uh, with respect to
3: water issues. Well, the standards they, they are, got it right. The standards are working in a lot of other cities and a lot of other communities. The chemistry works. They're using local water or local uh, rivers and streams. Sure. In a lot of cities around the country. In fact, I What was the figure, Paul? Do you remember, uh, I remember sometime in the last year or two, reading and sharing the figure, something like 65% of municipal water is coming from rivers and streams?
5: Yeah, yeah. And and as I say, in hindsight, $100 a day of the right chemical would have avoided all this. I mean, Henry can probably add more details to all that, but that's a story I've seen so many times that if, yeah. It would have cost about a hundred dollars a day of, of the appropriate chemical to to, to, to make the flint water r- river water safe.
4: They're, they're yeah. Drinkable but safe, that's a whole different
5: yeah, yeah that's
4: <laughs> a whole different, yeah, yeah, different. Yeah, maybe
5: that's true, I don't know.
4: They're not they don't address the reason why we don't take our drinking water out of the Flint River is because all those farms up in the thumb have all those chemicals they put on the crops to keep the crops producing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the runoff goes right into the river. Yeah. The, and
1: that <coughs> that happens in the Missouri and the Ohio, where many of the cities along those those rivers took their water from the Ohio and the Mississippi and they use it as drinking water. And, well and uh,
3: that, that runoff uh, you're talking about West isn't just on uh, it isn't just the chemicals from farmlands. It's, it's people's it's no it's it's uh, people in, uh, in in cities and uh, suburbs um, treating their lawns
5: fertilizing lawns and putting blood killer on it and so forth yeah
3: and and gardens yeah. and stuff that stuff is all running off uh, you know on the uh, from, from all the cities along the along the river but if you talk to, the people at um, the Flint Watershed Coalition, um, testing and treatment is addressing most of those most of those issues, but but you're absolutely right, uh, Wes, when you say there's a big difference between safe and drinkable.
4: Yeah.
5: Yeah. Uh, but again, the, the Flint the Flint River got the image of being this this horribly toxic sort of sewage of river from well, all and the public it was images the, years ago. the The picture they ran was always of the Flint River and oh, the Flint River was poisonous water and that kind of stuff. And it was it was basically a normal, typical industrial <laughs> river. Uh,
1: the people in the West would love to have the flow of the Flint River uh, water today. point, that's Henry. That's, uh, out to yeah. Cooper Dam and those other places that need water badly. Our water's not as bad as you think it is. Good point.
3: Well, and, and it's improved significantly, and kudos to the people who've been working to improve it over the last 30 years. Um, oh, yeah,
4: because when I was a kid, We'd go down by the banks of the river, but you certainly didn't go into the river.
3: <laughs> yeah, but at least at that time, there were so many chunks in it, you could walk on it. That's true. <laughs> no, it w- it was mm. terrible. Mm. Like the way um, streams and, and rivers were in a lot of um, manufacturing towns. The, Not, the, the as Cleveland.
4: Not as bad as Cleveland where the river caught fire.
3: That's right, I remember that. Well, it caused
1: fire, and the Flint River used to catch fire in 1939 because there are pictures of it in the journal. And, yeah, uh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because of the discharges of what they call gas
3: But the Flint River had and deserved a really horrible reputation, but a lot of people worked very, very hard to clean it up, and it is considerably better now. And you know chemistry has uh and and water treatment has come a long way since the the early days at the turn of the last century when they first started bringing water into homes and treating it and all that um okay let's uh let's see what's what was my next thing oh yeah here this this caught my attention, I think we got time to squeeze it in before the break. A clinical psychologist says four Flint children who are suing companies that advise the city during the Flint water crisis don't appear to have been brain damaged by their drinking water showing, no cognitive impairments, and each having an average range of intelligence. David Thompson, a staff member at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, testified in U.S. District Court in Ann Arbor in the Bellwether civil trial on Tuesday, uh, leaving an eight-person jury to evaluate his conclusions against those of neuropsychologist Mira Krishnan, who testified last month that each of the children suffered acquired brain injuries after exposure to Flint water? How difficult is it for jurors when the experts disagree?
5: Mm. Of course, in, in a lot of civil lawsuits, it, it is a battle of experts disagreeing about whether and how somebody was really harmed or not. And uh, yeah, well, especially you're when you're right. talking
4: about especially when you're talking about cognitive ability. Right, that right. is such a subjective statement. I mean, there are people out there that think that I'm cognitively able. To, you know, <laughs> know.
3: Yeah, well, there's you know a lot of people have have come up to me because of the radio sh- show and say, "Oh, you're so smart!" And I, no, I'm not. I just get a lot of really smart <laughs> guests. <laughs> but you are. You are very, very well yeah, just smart enough yeah. to get really good guests. And, well, you know, and he, he listens well. He listens well in text notes.
1: The key point is that you are effective as what you do.
3: And a lot of people are not effective, but you are very effective. I remember having uh, the mayors on, um, Verge Brunero and Dane Walling at that time and, and whoever was mayor of Detroit, at that time it was on by phone and and I said something it, I had an exchange with Verge Bernaro over when uh, um, lotteries when the lottery first started in in the US and and it was in one of the eastern states in the mid '60s, and I had just read an article about it, and so I just I happened to remember which state it was, and and um and and what year the the lottery first started, and and I cited it, and and Bert says he, he leaned into his microphone and he said, and ladies and gentlemen, he's not using notes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Good. <laughs>
1: See? That's effective, then. It is.
3: Yeah. But I would think that's got to be really tough for jurors to try and figure out, especially where, you know, chemistry and, and um, you know, science is involved. And, and as Wes points out, something as <laughs> nebulous as cognitive... True. Ability, what you know? Yeah,
5: and you got two two qualified psychologists saying exactly opposite things. Yeah, that's
4: true. I I, I almost started a riot in college in the student union one day because I (laughs) we were talking about why people take the major that they take, and I said, you know, well, people who are good in math they study mathematics, and people who are interested in history study history. People who want to be writers study English, and you people who take your psychology courses, you're just trying to figure out why you're so screwed up. (laughs) Their their parents talked them into being a dentist. (laughs) Talk about taking Umbrage. They all they wanted to fight me.
3: Well, well, hey. Actually,
5: I had, a, I, I had a friend, I shared an office with her, who's a psychology prof, and she said the very same thing about at least some of her students. <laughs> so there's some truth in what you're saying, Wes. Well,
3: <laughs> we've got to take another break here, and we'll be back with more Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, joined by Wes Whittakers. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. Hello there,
1: citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom. Summer their programs.
2: Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing.com.
0: East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine
1: a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. or call the Foot River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6493.
0: Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination, to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball, or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor, go to cdc.gov slash vaccines, or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas.
2: You're not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg.
0: Look, these days price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual, but when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time, but when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney Generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash ag. Put those away! We're at a gas station! What? <laughs>
4: This is
2: U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue with uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Wes Whitaker. Uh, The Flint Township Board of Trustees plans to post a survey on its website later this month asking residents and businesses if they want to make a switch on which of six names They would prefer, from a list proposed by a committee of the Township's Downtown Development Authority, if the board acts by August 16, voters could see a name change referendum on the November 8 ballot with a choice between Flint Township and one of the alternatives, Bishop, Garland, Oak Hills, Rolling Oaks, Uh, West Haven and Westwood Valley five years ago the same suggestion committee identified Carmen Hills as its top choice for a new name but uh, state law only gave cities and villages in Michigan the option to change names by amending their charters through a vote of the people. Last year Governor Gretchen Whitmer changed that by signing a bill sponsored by State Representative David Martin, a Genesee County Republican, to give townships the same name change authority as cities and villages. Township Supervisor Karen Miller said some township residents who have a Flint mailing address still wonder why they can't vote for mayor of Flint and said, <laughs> and said outsiders often immediately associate the area with the Flint and the uh, with Flint and the city's water crisis. Miller said she doesn't care if voters change the name of the township, but added it had an image problem, and I think we still do. If Flint Township changes its name, is Flint likely to follow? <laughs> yeah, why not?
1: <laughs>
5: Going to become West or East Carmen Hills or something? <laughs> yeah. I, I was joking to somebody else that the way to solve it, if you know, for all the folks who are worried in Flint Township are worried about changing their letterheads and their addresses,
1: just just change it to not Flint Township, just add a not before. Yeah. it. <laughs> but guys, Flint has a an image that a lot of communities would love to have, having been the, the largest. Uh, uh, component and wages in 1970 Well, have been think the it home has... of General Motors Corporation uh, when better automobiles are built, they're built in Puig. And uh, the home of General Motors Corporation that put the world on wheels. The rest of stuff is trivial. It's the people in the city of Flint that has to change that image and they want to got to want to mm-hmm. change it. And, well, uh, but, we, the, it,
3: but the thing is, that that isn't the Flint of today.
1: No, that isn't, but the, the, and, the legacy is there. And Flint Township
3: is trying to divorce itself from the I image know. Flint has today. <clears throat> I, I, I think you're right. I think uh, cities well, all over the country would love to have Flint's history, but I'm not sure that they'd uh, like to have our, well, our roads it, it, and pipes and and city council and stuff. Yeah. Didn't,
5: didn't Auburn Hills <laughs> change theirs from, from Pontiac Township to Auburn Hills? And the same with uh, East Point from East Detroit. I mean, I've seen a few other areas do the same thing for the same reasons, to escape the negative image of a nearby city. Uh, I, think, I think East Point was once East Detroit, wasn't it? And I think, East, I think Carmen, or Auburn Hills was once Pontiac Township, I believe, a while back.
4: Would
1: these communities have wanted to change their names back in the forties and the fifties
4: and the sixties? Oh, because not at there
1: all. was tremendous tax benefits, employment benefits, wages that the central city brought to the surrounding communities. So we go through a hard time here with gangs and with uh, poverty, and we just gave too much to too many people without them having to work for it. You
4: know, and yeah, you know it, if you know. Front Township was really booming and bustling, they might have a case. But if you drive down Miller Road now, yeah. there's this, there's boarded-up stores.
5: If you walk around Genesee yeah. Valley. <laughs> yeah,
4: yes. walk around Genesee yeah. Valley if you've got a bulletproof vest. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're kind of like making a big to-do out of something that really is a waste of time and energy, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. It's great yeah, to have
4: this glorious past, but what are we going to do for the future? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Does anybody That's have what a we need to work forward? on. That's what we need to work on.
1: And you've got to remember that General Motors left lots of money here in their institutions. Lots of money. Lots of money in the pocket of the people who work for them. We are a rich city, but we look at ourselves as a poor city. And we let those people, the loudest voices, uh, convey the loudest message
4: who are you talking about?:
3: <laughs> Well, I don't know what uh, depending on what Flint Township does, but I, I would suggest we change the name to something like Bishop Springs.) <laughs>
4: <laughs> then it'll be called Rusty Bud Springs.: Yeah, that's
3: right.. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rusty Springs uh, would be fun. <laughs> there you go well let's but, see. you know i can see all of a sudden the people getting very
1: very mad about the crime and the lack of good education institutions in the city but i can see that we got to dwell on those things not condemn the whole city for um uh for being um a um
3: Misrepresented. Well, yeah, and and I get your point, Henry, and and I agree with you. If the question is how do we change our reputation and influence legacy, the answer is just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this
4: goes back. This goes back to when I went before the redistricting commission and made a statement. I, I touched on what Henry just talked about. We have three exceptional educational institutions in the city of Flint. I mean, Kettering would be considered the MIT of the Midwest if they had a doctoral program. Mm-hmm. You You know, M Flint's a great institute. Mott College is a great institute.
1: Yes, look at all of the colleges and universities we have. We have everything I mean, that a Mecca ought to have to rebirth itself.
4: Well, we well, I mean, have various
5: attempts to define the city as a college town. It never quite took hold, but... Uh, by some calculations, people claim there were 30,000 college students in or around the city of Flint. Um, I'm not sure those are quite accurate numbers, but I've heard those numbers tossed around.
3: Yeah, go ahead, Wes. But, but,
4: I, but I made the statement to the commission, Flint was poised at that moment to do something that would totally transform the reputation, taking these college colleges and universities, having them develop an algorithm with their computer departments that would... Put the districts in easily recognizable borders, all of them evenly populated, so that everybody had some kind of sense of, you know, where they were voting, what uh-huh. they were, what district they were in, instead of all well, to get rid of this antiquate, antiquated, you know what I'm saying?
3: <laughs> antiquated. But,
4: antiquated yeah, method antiquated. of gerrymandering which is, yeah, okay, is really yeah, yeah, racist. Saying, yeah. It is absolutely founded in racism.
3: You know, and here really
4: we are allowing it to continue and claiming that you know well the Democrat Party does you know, represents everybody. But now i heard moment, a, a pundit,
3: I heard a pundit on uh, on television last night or or and or this morning um, talking about how the, the fact that the new districts Create a state house seat that includes all of Flint, and that that may have some impact uh, uh, on uh, people starting to think in terms of these broken up neighborhoods yeah. as being <laughs> Who could part be of a community. <laughs> yeah. Um, did Did you happen to see that guy, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> you better <think> you did. <laughs> I did. I think it might have been Paul.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the first time, they got they got the the city all woven together with the state senate or the state house district, and uh, and uh, I'm not sure if they ran the quote, but I said it may also be a uh, the same family, <laughs> maybe depending on what happens in the in the August and November election. Maybe the Neely family is both the mayor and the state rep for the for the uh, for the city. But we'll see.
4: Oh, well, they're kind of like that now.
5: Yeah, that's, that's it. It's just uh, family business.
3: But what this would do would be to, um, if she wins that seat, um, then Cynthia Neely would end up being the state representative for the entire city of Flint.
5: Right,
1: yeah. Well, and uh, Cynthia, now, when we talk about these things, about... Uh, Cynthia's married to the mayor and stuff like that. She has a right as a woman to serve in a position on her own by herself, uh, disassociated from her husband. Well, you know, we
5: have kind of a tradition of these family family dynasties of sorts. The Cherry family certainly has a number of people in office. The Clack family has somewhat similar kind of things.
4: And this is what the people want.
5: But that's
1: what the people vote for. That's what they want. And it's up to the it's a, yeah, system well, to change it. This is a democracy, well, right.
3: guys. But it's, but it's something that we, at the very least, need to tell people about and remind them of, of it in case they have concerns about um, conflicts of interest and, and so on.
1: Oh, yeah. You've got to make sure you, there are no conflicts of interest. Yeah. I agree with you. All that yeah. stuff has to be, but it, it seems that's going to come a up to again a little bit later. About,
3: yeah, that's going, that's going to come up again a little bit later yes. um, when we uh, talk denying, about the Supreme Court.
1: <laughs> you get, uh, we don't want to tread too much on women's rights just to be their own selves.
4: So, I don't think anybody's doing that. I don't think anybody's uh, no, I, and I don't well, think that's that, the that's, intention No, at all. I'm
1: not saying that we're doing here. That's what people will do. This isn't. Uh, this isn't I mean, about having
3: a mayor as a state representative. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, um, a first lady as the state representative. We
1: can, we can. say that we're not doing it,
3: but people will construe that. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, we got to We got to break for the uh, top of the hour ID. We'll be back with the second half right after this. Hi, I'm this. Alexander
5: Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.